the Art of Leadership Network. Man, I, I think I watched planters struggle when they try to just raise funds to launch versus like funds for the whole project to exist. And they're trying to then live on shoestring budgets at the beginning when they need to be focusing on vision and people. Well, what is up, everybody? Church Plant family, it is Mike Kickerson here. I am hanging with Andy Wood, and we are chatting on the Unfair Advantage podcast, where we are trying to help church planters uh, get an unfair advantage. Man, it is such a kingdom investment in the world of church planting. We love church plants. We are church planters at heart. Um, So if you love church plants, support church plants, or a network of church planters, think someday you would be a church planter, uh, this is for you. Uh, We're not saying we're experts. We're just trying to look back and trying to help as best we can the planters that are coming behind us have an unfair advantage of things that we either were helped in or wish that we've known. So Andy Wood is the lead pastor uh, in Saddleback Church. Uh, it's an amazing church. You want to maybe introduce yourself again and, and your family and tell a little bit about your story? Yeah, Mike's great to be with you. Always fun to talk church planting. Sometimes when we get on these calls to talk about uh church planting. We've got a lot of other stuff I feel like I got to ask you questions on uh, and learn. I always learn from you. And uh, Stacy and I, we we are in Southern California, a little bit south of you in Orange County. We moved here in the summer of 2022 after uh, pastoring Echo Church in the San Francisco Bay Area for 14 years. Prior to that, we planted a church in Fort Worth, Texas called Breakthrough. It was on a university campus. So we've gotten the privilege of being a part of two church plants, um, now in the journey of transitioning a church, serving here at Saddleback, which has a lot of similar elements to church planting and has been a lot of fun. So this conversation today I'm really excited about because it, it is a super important one where I feel like a lot of church planters get hung up and that's on the area of raising the resources and having uh, a budget that's funded so that you can actually launch the church. Yeah, we, we talked a lot about speed killing um, a church mm-hmm. plant. Sometimes people want to move so fast out of excitement. And sometimes uh, what I've seen church planners get stuck is in this area of finances is that they're moving at a rate that they haven't funded yet. And so if we can have yeah. a holistic plan around funding, it's going to help mo- more church plants thrive in a really great way. So I'm really excited. Why don't you jump in? I mean, uh, I'm really excited. I would say stoked because I live in Ventura, California, so I get to say stoked, but I'm stoked about what we're going to be learning today. Uh, so let, take it away, man. Yeah. Well, let me start with this, Mike. Uh, Stacy and I, when we were in Texas going to grad school, um, we were going to Southwestern Seminary there and had gotten a call to plant a church in the Bay Area. Um, some of that was, you know, we've talked about in the podcast, but uh, just for like actual, you know, timeline, uh, we originally sensed it was it was the time to move forward with that vision in early 2007 and moved out to the Bay Area in the summer of 2008. So it was about an 18-month period of time. And during that period of time, once we were firming up the calling, part of it was firming up where we were going to plant the church, putting together a team, and then a good chunk of that was raising uh, the money and the resources to plant the church. What I wanted to do before we moved to the ground was I wanted to raise as much money as possible to be able to launch the church. Uh, Part of you know, that journey was coming out of watching other church planters, watching people get to the place where they were called to plant and not being able to focus on the vision. I also felt like if if we could have the right team of people and they could be funded, 
in terms of being able to focus vocationally on the church, uh, we would be able to go a lot further faster. So we prayed, we worked, we, you know, we did everything we could before getting to the Bay Area to plant, to have uh, a fully funded budget. I, I, if I cannot affirm more strongly the, what, the, what you just said, I think fundraising on the beginning as much as you can so that when you get to the place that you can be fully focused on vision as much as you can. Well, some levels you're always going to be fundraising and telling stories, but man, I, I think I watched planters struggle when they try to just raise funds to launch versus like funds for the whole project to exist. And right. they're trying to then live on shoestring budgets at the beginning when they need to be like focusing on vision and people. So yeah, I'm excited, man. Yeah. The, um, uh, you know, if you can look at it from a three to four year period of time, usually people who partner with you will partner with you about that length of time, especially if you're going to a place where there aren't as many church plants. So we wanted to really make sure we were covered. And we had like kind of this whole funny, you know, chart where it was like, okay, well, this is how much is outside. This is how much is inside. And we were trying to get to where we were fully self-supporting by the end of four years. But um, as much as possible, we, we wanted same to exact, have that. Our story, same exact story for us. We Our goal was self-sustainability in year three or four, and we would even count live, moving to Ventura and exegeting the city as one of those years. So absolutely. Yeah. That's great. So I'll start. The first thing I, I, I think is super important is to nail down your belief about stewardship and support development. And uh, if if a church planter is not comfortable talking about money or dealing with money themselves, uh, don't have their own finances figured out, it's really hard to lead other people in that. So one part of that is just managing our own resources well. And then another part of that is being super clear and comfortable talking about the concept of, of giving and tithing and asking people to give. Uh, if I believe that it's beneficial to the life of a follower of Jesus to participate in generosity, it's radically going to change the way that I approach raising resources. So um, I would just encourage all church planters to go through some process of figuring out what is my philosophy around stewardship, about, around support development. Uh, before we moved to the Bay Area, um, in the middle of that first church plant, I went through the training that uh, Campus Crusade does. And it was like this week long kind of, they called it ministry partnership development. And it was very helpful for me personally, uh, primarily because it, it formed my theology, it formed my beliefs. It helped me get more courage around asking people to participate. Um, in that, I, I got better at learning how to present the vision. But just getting clear on that vision, I, I think is super important. Let's say you're a church, you're a student pastor and you are starting to feel that calling into plant, but you've never really taught on money. And the most you fundraise is maybe your own mission trip, you know? So like, what advice would you give somebody? It's like, I think I'm supposed to do that. And I think I agree with what he just said, but I have never, I've never done that. Uh, like mm -hmm. wh where, wh how would you just have, have somebody exercise that muscle a little bit to get, to get better at it or to go to school mm -hmm. on lear learning their theology? Yeah. Well, I would, I would find people that you know that have done a good job with it. Like if you're in a church and your pastor, you know, that's one of the, his or her or who, you know, have one of their skills. <laughs> I just went into a theology of women pastors there. Um, yeah. But uh, if, you know, if you could figure out somebody that's done a great job that, with that, that I think that that's good. 
you know, the, all the Dave Ramsey stuff uh, is super helpful in terms of personal finance uh, understanding. There's a, a book by, I believe it's Scott Morton called Funding Your Ministry. That's another really good one. And then I would just try to find church planters who've raised budgets. I would also practice, you know, teaching on it. Like if you're a student pastor, pick a week and teach your students what a, pers- a godly perspective on money. But all of that, I think, exercises that muscle. The second one is to pray fast and give like crazy. And uh, what I think is super important here is there's a clear connection between our own generosity, uh, our specific prayers, um, and inviting God kind of into the process of raising the resources. It's something that we do not, you know, for God, but it's something that we do with God. And I remember when we started to raise the money for the church plant, we had, I had this like big blue note card and it was like one of those really big ones. And I, I wrote on it a handful of specific prayer requests. I put it inside my Bible and every day when I would read my Bible, I'd pull it out and just pray over it. And then I remember like a year and a half later after we had gotten there and I, I think I'd like gotten a different Bible and I pulled that old Bible out and that card fell out and God had answered all of those specific prayers. And it was so moving for me. I, I think God, you know, we sometimes we pray generic prayers and expect God to give specific answers, but there's a power in inviting God to, to show off in the process of planting a, a church that he wants to be glorified. And when you, when you invite him into it, you see him do things that you don't normally see him do. So prayer, you know, God does things when we pray that he does it when we don't. And so just making that prayer, that fasting, um, even, you know, I've been around church planters that they're not tithing themselves, right? So if you're inviting people, one, to tithe, or you're inviting them, two, from another church to give above and beyond their tithe, but you're not tithing, all of that's problematic. Yeah, I can't even comprehend the moral authority that that would take, or not more the anti-moral authority. I just yeah. I get, don't do that, church planters. And what Andy's saying about taking the journey of prayer and fasting, I would say also bring your team along that journey. Like and help them. If you have a team with you, talk about what you're praying about and fasting about in the in the area where people's generosity and giving and God and you're joining God in that. That's a good way, a good way to be a leader from the beginning on the generosity piece. Yeah, it's good, man. Well, there, there's a lot we could talk about with that, um, but the I think out of that comes the, this whole journey, and we've talked about this in some of the other podcasts around design and how you put together a prospectus and your plan, but developing some kind of a written prospectus where you've got your vision, your values, your launch strategy, who's on your team, your budget, info about your area. And within that is knowing how much it's going to cost to plant the church in your area. So, you know, the, the basis that, you know, we want to have covered would be like all the money to raise the, you know, the, all the money that's required for the equipment, all the money for staffing, all the money for a facility, uh, marketing to the community or letting the community know that you're there. But trying, you know, I wanted to raise more money than I thought we would need because I figured if we, if we had more than we needed we'd be able to do more of the vision. And so not really setting a budget that is like the bare minimum, but to say, okay, what, what is actually, what, what would be 
a budget that would give us margin to, to go big with this church plant. And uh, a lot of church planters are like, well, well, we'll just scrape by and we'll make it happen. I think if you're starting a church in an area that has a lot of Christians and like, you know, it's the Bible Belt and you're going to reach a lot of Christians and they're going to tithe from day one and all that, that, you know, maybe that strategy is a better strategy or it, it could work. But if you're going outside the Bible Belt and you're, you're trying to reach people who are far from God, it just takes time for the people you reach to start to participate in the giving and to give yourself some time to allow the church to grow and to build systems and structure. A lot of that comes with having the clarity of what is the amount of money that we're going to try to raise. I, I always encourage planters, raise, raise more than you think. This is your window to go for it. Um, I mean, you're going to, people will help you along the way. And then when you get some wins underneath you, they'll want to help you even more. But I, I always laugh when they're like, no, we're going to raise till to launch. And then we're going to, the way we're going to do money is we're going to take the median income of our city. And then we're going to say, those probably going to be, uh, you know, 50 households that are going to be there. So they're, of course they're going to tithe. And so that'll just be our operating budget post launch. And they're like, that's how God provides. It's like, well, it doesn't really work that way. Uh, the last thing converted in most people is their wallet. That was the thing that was true for me when I came to Christ. So you got to give some time when it's an unchurched area for sure. So. Yeah. What was, how much did you try to raise when you guys were starting from scratch? Do you, oh, do you man. remember? Your- this is, this, I do remember. This is why we were trying to, we had a four-year plan to sustainability. We had three full-time staff uh, salaries as a part of it. I don't know that I'd always recommend that to every plant. So we were trying to raise um, about a million dollars over the four years mm-hmm. and trying to, trying to go after that. We, the, why I'm so passionate about this side of it is to get as much as you can early is that we felt like we were fundraising still all four of those years because we've always been a little bit tight on cash. And so I have a huge passion about this area of planters getting this part right because it can really set you up for what God has for you in the future, for sure. What about mm-hmm. you guys at Echo? Very, very similar. It was like about right around a million dollars over a three-year period of time. And it ended up it ended up being right up about that from the outside, and then by the time we got to year three, our budget was like about five to six hundred thousand dollars, maybe a little bit more from inside, and so um, that ended up working. And then we tried to stock some back uh, in order to be able to have margin. We also did a capital campaign in the first three years, which was a little bit much. You're, cra- you're um, crazy. So but you're confident helped. in this area, though. You're confident in this area, what you're calling people to. So that's good. Well, I just, you know, the other thing for us, Mike, was I remember, so like 2008 and 2009, there was like that huge real estate crisis and there was a ton of, yep. empty, there were a ton of empty buildings. And I remember driving around in Silicon Valley and being like, man, there's, it's probably not going to be like this forever. And so I felt like we had a window of opportunity with more openness with uh, real estate to, to get into something. So we moved a bit quicker. Uh, we, I think it was like 2000, not, we launched in 09 and then it was that next year in December 2010 that we were moving forward with our first capital campaign. So well, let me just jump let me jump in for a second there cuz that even that principle what you just said is why you'd want to raise more and be really great stewards of what you've been given and not blow it all because when a kingdom opportunity comes around you were able to seize it and go after mm-hmm. it. 
versus like yeah. living with scarcity and not having anything. So planters are some good lessons in that for sure. Yeah. Well, looking back, it was the stretch, but um, I'm glad we did it. The um, Okay. So I'm going to talk, I'm going to move into vision. And I think the next really practical thing is to prepare to share your vision with partners. And the way I would think about it, and I can't remember, Mike, if I got this from that ministry partnership development training or where it came, but I started to think of it in terms of like 3, 10, and 30. So there was like the three-minute version, 10-minute version, and 30-minute version. And most of the time that included my own calling to plant a church, that included um, the why behind the region that we were going to, and then really kind of getting into, okay, here's, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Here's how you could be a part of it and helping people know like, okay, here's what I'm asking you, how I'm asking you to participate. Uh, I shared that story hundreds and hundreds of times, but the more I shared it and was familiar with it, I think I got, I just got better and more comfortable with like that's that story of God's calling. Um, practicing that in environments where you you know people and they can give you feedback and uh, having a super clear invitation or ask at the end of that is super helpful. Um, the, I mean, I, I probably could tell you, you know, a half a dozen stories of church planters that you're like, you sat down with them and they shared their vision, but they're, they didn't really tell you what they were asking you for. And I, I was going to say the exact same thing. I was going to say the exact yeah. same thing. I like exclamation point on the ask, make it idiot proof. And I know the other person's not an idiot that you're talking to, but I think sometimes we get to that ledge when we're fundraising or we're talking about generosity and we don't like do the next, the last 10%. That's the most important part is like, here's what I'm asking you to consider and for you to do, mm -hmm. like make sure that that's clear church planters a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, and I think stories are super helpful in there, like getting a couple stories that maybe if once you once you kind of get to know the community and you've got examples and all, all of that. Um, the, the other part of this that this bridges into is cultivating our network of relationships. Um, I, I remember reading a book in this period of time called Never Eat Alone or something like that. It was a Ferrazzi or it's like a big orange book. It's basically like a, a book about relationships and networking. And that book was super helpful. I just, I took every person I would meet, I would just kind of like, you know, build, think of it as in terms of I'm building a relationship with this person to serve them or somehow they're going to participate in what we're doing. And one of the lessons now being like on the other side of it, because, you know, you, you, one side is like you're raising money, then eventually after you've raised money, a lot of people are going to raise money with you. With you. Yes. And I always, I always appreciate when there is some form of a relationship where you feel like the church planter or the person that's asking you, there, there is a connection. And sometimes I feel like with a church planter or somebody that's raising money, they don't talk to you. They don't update you. They don't give you any information about the church plant, but then they come in and then they ask. And um, I certainly understand there's limitation in how much time that we have. But I also think if you, if you come at, especially like leaders, you know, mo most leaders want to give to people that they don't just want to give money. They want to give 
out of the context of relationship with people that are humble and teachable and asking questions. So most of my um, eventual partnerships came first as mentorship and wisdom. I agree a thousand percent. And so the phrase that I would help with planters is to go, hey, if you ask for money and you don't know them, all you're going to get is advice. But if you know them and are humble enough to ask for advice, you can ask for money later. Uh, and so mm-hmm. it's, it's a way better way to go about it than to just start with money in a cold, out of the coldness of, a, of a, you know, sending a packet versus or a meeting. You know, you try to get to be known, ask great questions, let them ask questions of you, ask them for advice. Uh, like I'm giving you the secret sauce of how to win me over is basically what I'm telling all the planters out there. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's funny too, when you um, meet planters that you can tell they've like leveraged your um, teaching and training. I've had that happen a couple of times. You're like, okay, I, I know what you're doing. Um But people, there's a proverb that says the person who has a pure heart and gracious speech will have the king for friend. And I think you can start to sift through people who have gracious speech without a pure heart. And that's where, that's only between us and God. Like, you know, can we get our our hearts in in the right place as we're going about it? And people, people sense that. Um, The... I think as an exercise to create a list of like 250 names and then start to like bucket those names in A, B, and C, and then ask the question, like who, who has a heart for planting that, you know, who has a heart for your area and then just getting around good leaders, like investing the money. Like if a guy's doing a cohort, you know, like this is a good example in a, a really practical way. Like we've done these three cohorts I think we're on number four now or forming number four and guys that will like not come to a cohort because of a thousand bucks. And then you think about, well, like how much, how many resources actually would come out of those relationships, but then there's, you know, they don't have the money, the extra 500 to a thousand bucks for a cohort, you know, which is just, it's kind of funky thinking. So I remember in our first church plant, I, I invested like lots of our resources in getting the coaching and training I needed. And then later those resources returned because those relationships. Absolutely. And I think with that list of 250 people and you're trying to bucket and like, that's what you're praying for over. That's what you're fasting over too. those names. And then I think as a planter, it's helpful to prepare your heart for no's because there are going to be mm-hmm. some no's that are surprising that you think are slam dunks. And also you're going to watch God provide in ways that you didn't even see coming. So, I mean, there were some, yeah. so many people that sacrificed on our story that I, that had no, nothing, no assets, nothing, but they were so faithful over the long haul. And that's the stuff that'll just wreck you in a good way uh, for what, what mm-hmm. God's called you to. Yeah. Yeah, no, every every no can be a form of fuel for the future. You know, if if it's like not seeing that as a personal uh right. you know hit to to our ego or to the vision, it's really good. The um when when you move into starting starting to meet with people, there's a couple really practical things on this. 
I think that there, there's like a ladder of effectiveness. So one is like a letter, the other's an email, the other's a phone call, and then finally would be face to face. And then when we're having the conversation with people to try to get to the person that really is the, the decision maker. So in churches, sometimes it's the lead pastor, sometimes it's the missions person, sometimes it's a committee, but to know like, okay, well, I don't, I don't want to have four meetings to get to who's the person that really is going to be making the decision or the persons to try to get in the room with those kind those people. Um, and then when you have that meeting and you make an ask, a good question is what's our next step? So where do we go from here? Like what, um, what, what are we going to do? You know, do you want me to call you? Do you want me to follow back up with you? And then asking for additional references, like, Hey, do you know anybody who uh, has a heart for Ventura? Do you know anybody who, and just allowing, or who has a heart, probably more open-ended than do you know anybody is a better question. But just allow, yep. those kind of relationships can also, you can cultivate those relationships for more partnerships. And it also builds confidence, like on the other side of the table, that you are, you're wise, you're, wise. you're going about this in a good way. And if I would, every time that you leave a meeting, you should be asking, what would you think a good next step would be for me? Mm-hmm. Like what you said, should I call you? Should I email? Is there, are you going on vacation? Can I follow up with you again? Can I set a meeting? What's the best way for me to follow up and what should we do next? And then yeah. is there any, like, I'd love to talk to anyone else that you could point me to because you may not have financial capital, but you have relational capital. Could you help me? You know, so yeah. like that, those kinds of things. Yeah. And I think also on those two categorically, it's a bit different in terms of the relationship. If somebody is introducing you, you don't need to feel the responsibility like, okay, well, I got to cultivate this relationship and have four or five meetings because then you actually may make it go the opposite direction. Like if somebody says to you, well, hey, I know this pastor and, you know, he's been on a few trips to Southern California and has a heart for that area. Da, 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 da. And then you're like, okay, you get in that meeting and then three or four meetings into you're going to make an ask. So I think letting the, um, the cultivation part of it is to think through if you're asking people that you've built relationships with, it just feels a little bit odd to never talk to that person, never update them, never give them information and then come with the ask. But then if you're, you're going to somebody you've never met before, but you've gotten an introduction to that person then it feels weird to like, oh, well, I'm going to build a friendship with this person. And then five or six times later, like I would, I would, I wouldn't want that. I would like, if you're, if right, you, that's so good. Yeah. I think it's just good to make that distinction. Like, and that's part of the EQ of church planting. You got to be an EQ of the church planter. Like you got to read the room a little bit and know like, what's the, who, where is the decision maker? Who, what, what do they care about the most? Do they care about your stats? Do they care about your family? Do they care about like, what is it that's going to help drive them to maybe a, a bit an easier yes? Or do they care about the city? You know, you got to figure that out. Yeah. Well, and part of it is like, even knowing the personality of the person you're trying to reach with, where like, I've had, you know, some meetings with church planters that would move to the area and they just want to grab coffee and then you grab coffee and then you know that they're trying to raise support, but then they don't talk to you about it. And then the next time they ask you for coffee, you're like, well, why are we meeting? And it's like, well, we want to, I want to grab coffee. And like, that's a, a my personality. Maybe, you know, some are different, but I, I just rather be like, get to the point, you know, tell yeah. me what you, why do you want to meet? Do you, 
do you want to meet for help? Do you want to, do you need, do you need somebody to help with marriage stuff? What's the, what's the purpose of the meeting? I don't know one leader that likes walking into a meeting where they don't know what it's about. Even like, I don't mean that in an ungracious way. It's just like, I like to be emotionally or relationally prepared. I like to know. So like, you don't need to like dance around what you want to talk about. Like, like I want to talk to you about advice for church planning and I'm going to make an ask about uh, what it would look like to partner at some, on some level. Like that's what's helpful to me. So, yeah, I'm still yeah, taking the, the other, coffee. <laughs> so. Yeah. The other part of that too is um, this was where the ministry partnership development stuff was really helpful if you say on the front end, hey, you know, my wife and I are sensing God's call to plant a church in the San Francisco Bay Area, we're putting together a team of partners of people who would pray with us and support financially. And I would love just to meet with you and see see if God would call you to be a part of that team. Like that, that I use that line in email and over text and in person, you know, and calls a thousand times. Like, hey, let me say it one more time. Hey, my wife and I, we're sensing God's call to plant a church in the Bay Area. Uh, we're putting together a team of people that would pray for us and support financially. And we wanted to we want to have coffee with you to, to, to share that vision with you and see if God would call you to partner with us in, in this endeavor or calling. And then they have the ability, you know, if they don't want to, if they don't want to, they can say no. And then they're not surprised in the meeting. And it's funny because like, Sometimes you use that level of clarity and people are still surprised that you talk about money in the meeting. Um, but my, my, as an Enneagram eight, my uh, reflection would be, well, if I was clear, the that's on them that they didn't, they didn't get the message, you know, especially if it was explicit in a conversation. Um, but I, I don't want it to be on me. Like I wasn't clear. And then we get into the conversation and it's awkward and we're him and, you know, going back and forth. So yeah, that, that sentence is gold or that that little email paragraph or text that you could copy right there is, is gold planters. So go back and listen to that. So get somebody to write it down for you and send that out. So Awesome. Um, okay, I've just got two more really practical things here. The, the first one is um, a vision tour. We, we saw a lot of success with a vision tour. What we did was we invited partners to come out to see our area. It was two days. We did a meal together cast the vision. Next day, we shared our budget, invited people to give financially. It was super nice. Um, we had some people that put more money into coming on the, the vision tour than they did in the, into the church plant. But again, that was, a, that was their choice, not ours. But we raised a good chunk of our budget that way. Yeah. And that happens. You'll have people that, that spend the money. Uh, so just for clarity for me and maybe for uh, people listening, for planters, when you say partner, um, do you mean like in 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 like other churches? What uh, I think I know what you mean. I'm pretty sure I know what you mean. But just for somebody, it's like so. That's a other churches or other organizations. And was it individuals that would you call partners as well? Does that make sense? Yeah. So we had individuals. We had uh, we had some businesses and we had churches. So we had all three. And um, you know, biz, individuals are a lot of times we'll give directly to a ministry. We had a deal where we set it up with our, the denomination that I um, was a part of at the time. Um, heard of it. And yeah. And it was basically, they could give through uh, the denomination. There was this, this organization that like 
received the resources, sent out the uh, statements, and then deposited the check once a month into our church's account. I actually set up, before we even moved to the area, I set up a P.O. box in the community where we were planting. And then I just had all that email, all that mail forwarded to where we lived in Texas. And that just legitimized in people's minds. Um, I still can remember it was P.O. Box 4353, Santa Clara, California, 95054. And uh, at the time, Don't it was South Don't send any checks there now. Don't send any checks it, there right now. So that's, that's not... Yeah, that's I, wonder, not <laughs> I wonder if that P.O. Box is still open. It's, um, but I, I still can remember that... Yeah. Yeah, that, that's super helpful. So let's get to the last one, and then I want to review it, and I want you to be able to just give us a couple things if if there's things that are just on the top of your heart in this area that you haven't said yet, or you want to make sure you drill home. So let's do the last one, and let's run back all through the the nine again, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Okay. So the last one is to follow up like crazy, um, and what I mean here is. You know, if you host a vision tour, you meet with people, but then you don't follow up with them, you leave the relationship on the table. And so I just want to be, um, I want to be mindful of making sure I follow up quickly to not allow any partners on the table. Yep. I love that. So let me see if I can get get these and you correct me if I'm wrong. So this would be like the areas that we would say, so you got to nail down your own personal belief about stewardship and support development about like, uh, and you got to make sure that you pray fast and give like crazy that you're leading the way. I still feel, feel like pastors and planters should be leading the way financially as, as well. Determine your budget, like get some, and if you need help with that, there's so many resources out there that, uh, that could help you uh, on how to get to sustainability, not just to launch. Uh, create a written prospectus, like have it crisp and clear with vision and values um, and budget and what it's going to take and what part of the calling is. Maybe some even personal stories if, of people that you're impacting if you already moved there. Um, prepare to share your vision with partners. I love the 3, 10, and 30 format. Like have that ready to go. Uh, cultivate your network. Um, start meeting with people. Host vision tours in your area and follow up like crazy. Does that sound right? Yep. Yeah. And then the other thing I would say is um, don't take silence as a no on follow-up. Um, always uh, ask when you do follow-up if it's a no, not now, or a no, not never, if they give you a no. And then I was more afraid of a lost partner than a no. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, That's good. Well, I think too, there's always, there's t people that will partner with you over time. There's people that will partner you with you at a project. There's people that will partner, like there may be somebody that would buy a trailer for you but they're not going to give you $100,000 over two years. But over two right. years, you could probably ask them 10 times for two for $2,000 gifts, and they probably would say yes. So you got to kind of figure out no's aren't always like slamming a door. You're right. Yep. Yep. It's so good, man. This, there's a lot of stuff. This was actually originally a 90-minute seminar that I did on... <laughs> support development. And we managed to squeeze it into 35 minutes. But uh, there's, you know, there's just so much around this subject that if a church planter gets it right, it makes all the difference. And these are the kind of things that we talk about in the cohorts that we do, you know, where you're, you're in a cohort, you're, you're sitting around with a group of church planters. I've really enjoyed we, you know, one of the groups, I just saw the pictures, they were with John Tyson in New York City. Uh, we've had Jealous. them out. 
yeah, I know. I was like, man, I, I want to be a church planter again. Um, but it, it's just kind of cool to see like, hey, there, there's a place where you can go to get some of this stuff more in depth. And I would just encourage church planters, if you're listening, uh, we've seen a lot of fruit. I've, I've experienced a lot of growth in my own life from those kind of environments. And we're really here to help. You know, there's a level of help we can give in a 35 minute flyby, but there's a whole nother level of help that we can give inside of a cohort. Uh, and we would love to do that. Yeah. And it's over a year, ascentleader.org. If you, if you are thinking about it at all, I would highly encourage you. This could also be one of the asks that you ask somebody in your world or network to help fund for you. That's not a bad, if a, if a partner says, man, they want to get better. I would, I'd foot the bill for that. That's a great investment. So don't be afraid to make that ask as well. It's a, uh, the cohorts are awesome and you gotta you gotta put yourself in learning environments because we don't know all that we don't know yet and it, and there's so many phases and stages of church planting life so you need the right help at the right time and i think the cohorts provide that uh in spades so man andy i'm so grateful for you i love this podcast i love doing this together i re- we really love planters so if that hasn't come through then i don't know what's going on but planters man get connected with people ascentleader.org will help you We will catch you next time on The Unfair Advantage. Peace. Peace.